Welcome back to the Cup and Ball Park, a weekly look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. I'm Tom, aka Fen, and love is in the air for Valentine. So joining me tonight is this podcast answer to Plato, who once said, at touch of love, everyone becomes a poet, which uh, clearly rules Suzuko out. It's Ashley. <laughs> Good evening, Tom. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. French novelist Marcel Proust said, love is space and time measured with the heart, which is something Jules tries to apply to football. Hi, Jules. You're right, mate. How's your Valentine's? It was romantic. Uh, and finally, joining us is a man who defies the offside rule because, as the Roman philosopher Bophius once said, love is unto itself a higher law. It's Jim. <laughs> Good evening. How are you? I am very well, thank you. Although it's not actually a very good time to be loving Tottenham Hotspur at the moment. Uh, two losses out of two in the Northwest this week. Let's start with the uh, 5-4 loss at Goodison in uh, midweek. As the Roman poet Ovid once said, fortune and love favour the brave, but sadly, Jim, I think Everton were a little bit braver. <laughs> yeah, um, just taking a step back and looking at it from a almost sort of neutral perspective. This was like just a joyous game. Football should always be about happiness and hope and joy and all those things. And this game was just that. It had everything that you would want. Ridiculous number of goals. A total inability to defend by both sides. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Two teams going for it and and some good goals. And um, I think it's obviously a bit of a pisser from a Spurs point of view to have lost it. But everything that we've said over what feels like the last 35 years uh, <laughs> of, of the Jose Mourinho era at Spurs has been about the football being boring and horrible to watch and functional. And it seemed like he gave it a go. And yes, a little bit brave and a little bit naive. And yeah, I think you're right. Everton were braver. But for me, despite having lost and being out of another cup competition, I would take a lot from that game. It was I enjoyed it for a start, and you may as well if you're going to lose, you may as well lose playing what good football, your... being entertaining than than just being turgid. What What was your favourite goal as a neutral? Oh, probably the last one. I think the winner. I, I've, oh, I've lost track of all. Was Bernard, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yes. It's just, just slipped in behind but I think it was was it Richarlison Richarlison hit an absolute smash of his left foot but Sigurdsson's little dink for Bernard's goal was very nice yeah Um, I think for us though Harry Harry Kane's diving header that's it's gone out the game the diving header but it's always (laughs) glorious when it comes off it's always glorious yeah and there was it was good there was you know it was funny just how bad <laughs> I actually I, I wrote that it was funny how bad Everton were at defending corners all Spurs needed was another two corners and it would have been 6-5 and everything would have been fine <laughs> <laughs> we spoke about good goals but there were some awful goals in there as well and I, I told Tom after the game that, um, I wrote down exactly what I said word for word uh, what I was shouting at the TV after Everton scored the first goal and it kind of reads a bit like a spoken word po- uh, poem. So here it goes. Uduarud, just get rid. For fuck's sake. Davies, just get rid. Oh, Jesus Christ. Hoybjerg, what a shit touch. Just get rid. Loris, what the fuck was that? <laughs> word for word, what I shouted at the TV for their first goal. We'll come on to Loris again for City. But I'm always slightly wary of being too hard on keepers. 
because they their mistakes seem to be amplified and it's interesting in what people think there's, there's some people that think Luis is shit and needs to disappear and some people that think he's great and I happen to think neither really for the for, for the Everton goal it's it was absolutely a fun bastard like the connection on the strike there's so much power behind mm. it but he had his full body weight behind the shot it came at him centrally if it was like either side or he had to die for it, then I would have sort of given him the benefit of the doubt. But he he should have been able to push that out to the side. I always thought one of the best things about Lloris was that he's actually really rapid and was a really effective sweeper-keeper. And that was like one of the best things that he could do was he would clear up balls over the top, particularly because our centre-backs weren't very quick. Um, But because we sit deep now and therefore you don't see that, we're judging him purely on... Yeah, his, his shot-stopping, I guess. And in that respect, I feel like we're making him sort of compare himself to like someone like Kasper Schmeichel, who's got absolute iron wrists. It's like anything, <laughs> anything, anything hits that man, it's not getting through. One of the things that came up a lot after the game, just moving on from the race, was obviously the amount of goals that we conceded. And obviously a lot of people were making the connection that we were more adventurous. Is that the reason why we conceded more goals? So, Jules, I wonder if... Was that the reason for you that we conceded the goal? Or was it just because our defence is shit? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, don't, I mean, there's, there's an element of risk, but I don't think we conceded a lot more chances mm. than we would in a regular game. Um, we actually looked great for like the first 40 minutes, excluding conceding three goals. It was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, no, but it's true though. I, I agree. We actually played pretty well and played well without Kane. Which yeah, just exactly. happen. I was quite buoyant, especially scoring so early, which can sometimes be a bit of a hindrance. I mean, we talk about uh, Ash's version of spoken word about his reaction to their first goal. When we scored our first goal that early, which I never expect from a Mourinho side, I think I literally shouted, that's a goal. This is how <laughs> stunned I am that, that we would be in. So, With that yeah. kind of punditry, you could get a job on Match of the Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Alan Shearer, watch out. But... We haven't seen that level of aggression from the off for a while, and it was good to see that in a cup game. Mm. Uh, But like you say, Jules, that said, it's all well and good doing that. And we had lots of chances after that, which is also a good thing. We're not just trying to sit back and defend a goal lead. And we had all those shots, and they're all at their keeper, and we were thinking, I hope we don't ruin missing those chances. And inevitably we did, and all of a sudden we're 3-1 down Mm. because defensive, individual defensive errors. I wouldn't say it's a, a wider defensive issue. It was individual errors. Uh, thankfully, Lamella gave us something to uh, give us a bit more food for thought at half-time. Certainly can't single out the goalkeeper, in my opinion, when we're going to give the ball away just outside our own box. Has, has a um, centre-back ever had a weirder week than Davinson Sancho? <laughs> <laughs> he, started, he started scoring two goals. And yet also being probably the worst defender on the pitch, I would say. <laughs> he then goes to City, where he has now become a meme, like, overnight. <laughs> like, what, what a week he has had. Well, how, do you, how do you even get your head around it? Well, they're two very different games, aren't they? I think that's, that's, the, that's the boring answer. But I like how we just said, let's not single anybody out, and then immediately single somebody <laughs> out. Yeah, him. <laughs> well, I was, just, I was about to single out more to be fair because of all of the as annoying as defensive issues were 
the amount of chances that we had that came to nothing. And Lucas Moura, to me, is probably the most frustrating player in our team. I say that because I think he's the footballing equivalent of a cock tease. Just when you think something's about to happen, he just disappears. And, and you know, flatters to deceive. It's so, so frustrating. On the subject of singling people out, do we think Hoybier is having a bit of a dip mm-hmm. in form? Well, yeah, I can't blame him. He started every Premier League game. He played every Premier League minute up to now. Giza doesn't get a break. And I can see why, because he's so brilliant. He's undroppable. There's no other player that can come in uh, and actually do the sort of job that he does. So he's got to play every minute of uh, the Premier League. We've tried to rotate him in the cup. When you get to crunch cup games, you can't drop him. His form was always going to dip if we were going to play him game in, game out. And very clearly, he is also part of what I think is a, a wider confidence crisis, whether we can call it a crisis, I don't know, maybe not yet, but he's also been affected by that and we, we thought he was infallible. Well, I think mm. that's part of the reason. The other part is you mentioned how exciting of a game that was to watch, Jim. Um, part of that is because it was quite back and forth, both teams yeah. sort of attacking one after the next and that's not really the kind of game that suits Hoybier because he's got to cover a lot more ground a lot more quickly and obviously he's not, he's not the most mobile. Mm. Did you notice... I absolutely loved Carlo Ancelotti's reaction to their winner. Oh my God! <laughs> it's like it's like another sip of the cup of warm blood that he's nursing. He's, yeah, like I, I am, I'm convinced that he is a vampire, which um, might explain why all of our crosses were so bad because he hates crosses, so he won't let us take. That was a stretch, Tom. And um, I noticed people. Uh, more eagle-eyed than us as well, dragged up Jose's comments from when he was in charge at Chelsea the first time and Arsenal lost <laughs> yes. 5-4 in the cup and he said it was disgraceful. We called it a hockey <laughs> score, which is a massive insult. And then we've gone and done the same, which I think it, it was embarrassing, really. It's interesting, though, isn't it, comparing Ancelotti and Mourinho because they're both great coaches that have had glittering careers and they've kind of both gone to clubs where they're the greatest respect to Everton and Spurs, respectively, a step down from mm. the heights of European football. Oh, yeah, and notorious spotless. And they're kind, of tra- <laughs> they're kind of trying to prove a point a bit, aren't they? And it's interesting to see how they, they go. Ever- Everton still have an extraordinary ability to bottle it, like they did against Burnley the other day. But, um, <laughs> <And> Fulham. <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry, Fulham, yeah. Um, why, why do I think Burnley? Did they lose to Burnley? Maybe I made that up. But they're interesting to watch and exciting and maybe... Maybe that's a bit of a blueprint for Spurs. I don't know. Well, the Calvert-Lewin team. Mm. But 4-4 at full time. We've got extra time, obviously. What went wrong for us in the last half an hour then, Ash? Because ultimately it was just one goal that decided it in the end. Surely we should have still done enough to to perhaps done a, a bit more. Maybe push it to pens. I don't know. I thought we the last half hour was a bit dogged. Yeah, well, what went wrong is Harry Winks came on and had just the most shocking half an hour of football I've ever seen a professional footballer have because normally effort and commitment has never been questioned but I'm not sure what happened that game he looked like he was hung over from the day before um, <laughs> so not only losing in Dombele but bringing on that was just every time he got near the ball he lost it I've got to the point where you're referring to him as that yeah <laughs> <laughs> Ash, I'll tell you my, my take on that. And I'm going to draw on personal experience here. I remember getting yanked off in a match after... <laughs> you what? 
I remember getting I, did, I think I missed that in the Everton game. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Cock and Bolt. Yeah. <laughs> I remember getting substituted at half-time in a match and uh, having had an absolute shocker. And, and you know if you've had a shocker, right? And I was asked to come back on for the last 10 minutes because someone got an injury, or like the last five. And I came back on, and I swear to God, I couldn't pass the ball 10 feet. And it was just like, you, when your confidence goes that much, even the very basics of simple things that you'd usually do in your sleep just seem alien or seem really difficult. It was out of the frying pan and into the next frying pan, the continuing <laughs> frying pan. So it's Tottenham's fixture list before we eventually enter some sort of fire, which I presume is the League Cup final. Uh, we had a dresser house of fallout uh, the weekend against City. Uh, another loss, 3-0 this time. I just don't know how to feel anymore. I, I'm just a little bit deflated after the buoyancy of the Everton game. At least we gave it a good go. After the City result, was really deflating. That said, I don't know about you, Jules, but at half-time, I still felt we were in the game. It felt like we were still hanging on by our fingertips, yeah. I thought they were just so good and so dominant from the start. And the thing that made me nervous was in about, I think it was about the, the 12th or the 15th minute, we tried to play one of those classic like, sort of slide rule passes in for Son in behind Cancelo. And uh, Guardiola clearly just told his players, just screen the pass. Think looking at our sort of approach, especially how we beat City last time around, the best way for us to get into that game was to get Son in behind the space that Cancelo yeah. leaves. Mm. But when they're starting to, to screen passes like that, mm. it's, <laughs> it's incredibly car hard to make any sort of trump card that we have. There's, there's not loads you can do. And they, like you say, they screened it well. They used the space brilliantly yeah. all game. Um, and I think you can be kind of sanguine about it, really, that just lost to a side that's on another level. Um, I know people are upset about uh, how things are going and whether Mourinho is the right coach and whether the players are up to it and all that kind, all that kind of stuff. Um, this game isn't the one to judge them on, I don't think. It, it, it's obvious that things aren't quite right, but City are just astronomically good, and I think they'd have beaten anyone. City are a phenomenal side, so I, I never expected anything going into the game. But what concerned me was that we didn't present them any more of a challenge than a team facing relegation. So um, obviously we mentioned last week that I think we've reached the acceptance stage of grief. And I think now we're probably <laughs> indifference, aren't we? So. <laughs> I thought that one thing which has become apparent, and City have kind of personified this, but as of, to a certain extent, Liverpool and Bayern Munich in the last few years, the best teams now, the ones which, even if players are missing, the system is so good that they win matches by virtue of the system and the style, even if certain players aren't there. Mm, they've maybe, they're a bit of a lesson for people, aren't they, I suppose, because they, I think City have changed their system a bit this mm. year. They, yeah. they don't press as aggressively or as sort of suicidally as they used to. Uh, Gundogan's a good player, isn't he? Frustratingly. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's the epitome of like on-pitch intelligence. Like his 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 ability to find space and movement and know when to make the run into the space is probably as good as anyone in the league at the moment. So smart. It's, it's yeah, the intelligence that won the penalty, isn't it? 
Yeah, I was going to say, it was, he's probably one of the best players in the league at the moment, but we can't really talk about him without talking about the penalty. Because we obviously we had a chat about it in the group chat. I know there were some differing opinions. You were fuming, Ash. I am. <laughs> I'm still By differing fuming. opinions. Do you just mean you think you <laughs> were right and the rest of us disagreed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'm. I I still think it's not a penalty, but for a different reason. I thought at the time. <laughs> so <laughs> at the time, I mentioned that Bernardo Silva, or not Bernardo, but Gundogan uh, had no interest in the ball. But that's total bollocks because he turned on the ball. <laughs> but the reason I still don't think it's a penalty is because if you look at it, as Gundogan turns, he sticks his leg out into the path of Poibier. Um And for me, that indicates that the attacker has initiated the contact. If he doesn't do that, if he doesn't stick a leg out when there's absolutely no need to do so, he's the reason that, that contact's been made. Don't really agree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a bit like saying oh, I didn't murder that man. He was just in the way of my knife. I think, <laughs> I, think no, I didn't really see how the, the way he positioned his leg. I didn't really see that as, as a deliberate act to, to win the foul. He's clearly tried to play the ball and inadvertently actually miscontrolled it. So it turns out it wasn't actually a threat there anyway. Um, but it, it was a clumsy challenge from Hoybier. I think Gundogan's entitled to put his right leg there to, what do they call it? Oh, yeah, stand up. Um, and Hoybier has just very clumsily gone into the back of him like you know when you greet your golden retriever after a long day and it just bounds into you but it won't stop it'll go straight through you and knock you on your back as Jules can attach so <laughs> you've got to be smarter there you know that the players very likely the way that their number 10s can turn on a sixpence are probably just going to they have the potential to just stop and stand there Agreed. shit penalty there wasn't it yeah awful pen <laughs> awful pen Keeper um, should have saved it. I I genuinely thought Edison was going to try and take it for a moment. When he <laughs> when he came up the pitch and he he claimed he was giving instructions on where on where to put it. Oh, but I, <laughs> I think he had some idea. But I was just like, I think he might. I tell you as well. I reckon Edison would absolutely bang that pen. Moving on from that goal to um, the Sanchez meme that we mentioned. <laughs> oh my what, god! What on earth happened there? People were trying to made the argument on Twitter that um, oh, Sanchez had been fouled there. Gundogan shoved him over. He hasn't. He's lost a 50-50 and gone way off balance. So, the, you know, by the time he's recovered himself, he's actually flopping like a fish at ready to face plant <laughs> the ground, which kind of summed up how we all felt, really. But, you know, if he'd actually leapt like a salmon into the air, he could have prevented the, the goal, really, because um, I, I think it's the first rule of fight club, no bounce. It was amazing. I was watching that. So that's just a long ball route one goal, right? If that's scored anywhere outside of the top four, that's a team being negative and long ball and just being opportunistic. City do it, it's beautiful. <laughs> do you really your... annoys me. It do you have a bee in your bonnet, Jim? <laughs> I do, I do. Because long ball. They did it. They executed it perfectly. And it's a perfectly legitimate way to play football. Don't do it all the time. That's shit. But sometimes, <laughs> if you can nail it that well, it's as good a goal as any. <laughs> well, one, of the, one, of, one of the best long ball teams in Europe is um, Real Madrid. Modric and Cruz love to spray the ball from side mm. to side. Like, there's, not, you know, there's, no, there's no one way to play, to play the game. But in this case, that was a glorious pass. It just shows their brilliance. I know they can score by any means necessary. Their second goal, Gundogan's late movement into the box, is something that 
that we in particular miss. And they're, they're a fascinating team to watch. It's almost mesmerising the, the speed in which they move. And we talk about Hoybier's bad form at the moment. He kind of lost his runner a bit there. Mm. Mm. And, and also, uh, just a phase before that as well, Ben Davis had a torrid time against Sterling. Oh, he got he got he got a new arsehole that game. <laughs> Honestly, that is fifty fourth. Absolutely savage. Um, I think they're sort of a problem that we have as well. I actually think we need a whole new defence. If I'm being completely honest, I mean we've got Lloris, who's as a, uh, who's as consistent as London buses. Davis, who turns slower than milk. Sanchez is clearly uh, got the balance of a newborn giraffe. And Dyer, who's just walking testosterone, isn't he? And I, emphasis on the walking. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gary Facco is a, con- a regular contributor to us on Facebook, and he's actually asked when do we start bringing in a few youngsters. I can't wait for Sessignon San- uh, to come back. I can't wait for Skippy to come back. Mm. We we just yeah, there are areas in that team that we need to strengthen on because we're just nowhere we're nowhere good enough at the moment. But Tanganga, especially if we're going to be playing this low block, uh, Tanganga just is the perfect right back for us at the moment. I think what bothers me the most about um, our setup going into this season is the lack of ambition from squad players who come on and are expected to make a difference. We knew going into the season that we had quite an overinflated squad. But I watched Arsenal uh, last night and again against Leeds, with my Leeds supporting girlfriend, I have to, but <laughs> hey, Leeds are a good side to watch despite losing 4-2. Arsenal can draw on young players like Saka, like Smith Rowe. They've drawn on Maitland-Niles and the sort of season just gone. Uh, Martinelli, players like that who can come in and can do a great job because not necessarily based on skill alone, they're clearly developing, but ambition is the main thing. Having that ambition, that desire to be able to want to do something more when our substitutes come on, our squad players, they don't show that. We talked about Winks's lack of impact, or well, it was a big impact, but obviously a detrimental one. Um, <laughs> players, subs like that, these supposed to be seasoned pros are coming on yeah. and doing very, very little. And I think that was personified by the absolute maximum by bringing Suzuki on at half time. I was so upset. We're, like, we're losing the game for fuck's sake. <laughs> we were chasing the game. <laughs> Why are you bringing on a hindrance? Why are you bringing on someone who isn't that good on the ball? And unless you're going to put him in a sort of a semi-advanced position where you can show his athleticism, when you've got people like Dele and Bale on the bench. Yeah, to be fair, him. I like Bale when he came on. Obviously, yeah. he's got he's he's shown us glimpses already this season that he can be great. And obviously, unfortunately, they've been too few and far between and only glimpses. At least he tried to take his man and have a shot. But I do think Fenn touches on something there, though, which is that you've, you're not giving the chance to people like Dane Scarlett. And what we might have to recognise on Fenn's point of Arsenal is they had to accept to sort of cut a bit of a loss on squad players who are older on, and not get kind of the financial value they would have liked to get them out of the club. Like yeah. we, we might have to look at a few of our players, like the Suzokos, the Davies, the Sanchez. By getting rid of them, we're going to clear the pathway for some of these younger guys to come in and to to develop and to be the future of of whatever we're going to be. Well, you've touched on something that Richie Tolland on Instagram has asked: whether do you think now that the problem is Levy and Lewis rather than our managers? I was just about to say I don't think Daniel Levy gets enough criticism. 
he he yes. seems to be. I think he does, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you two very simple examples. He employed Jose Mourinho. It was an absolute vanity project on his part. We all knew, and we still know how it's going to end with Mourinho. It was always a matter of when. That's yeah. still the case. And he's on an astronomical contract. It would cost Spurs in excess of thirty million pounds to sack him. And Gareth Bale. Again, a vanity project, an astronomical amount of money to waste on a signing that had all the all the warning signs of not working out. This is probably the most expensive loan deal in history, and it's a total waste of time. And at some point, you have to say, okay, this is a guy that's done a hell of a lot for Spurs, but he's not untouchable. He does get things wrong, and maybe he needs to look at the way that he's done his his recruitment and the people that he's trusted and go, yeah, actually, that one's on me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with either of those points. I've, I've always thought Levy is clearly a very smart businessman, but he also, at Tottenham, wants to be the director of football and make the signings <laughs> and kind of play. He wants to play football manager as well as the stock market, mm. I have to say. Speaking of losing, quiz question. Is, uh, is LLLWLL... Spurs' form over the last six games or the name of a Welsh town. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you get away with that because you don't support Tottenham. But... <laughs> yeah, how would you pronounce it if it was a Welsh town? Llewell. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of socials, naturally we, we always put a few feelers out on uh, Facebook, Twitter and the like just to, to get the land of land. Um, also, quite often give people the opportunity to talk about absolutely anything because talking about Spurs isn't fun at the moment. Uh, Spurs Slice on Twitter has said 0 is excellent on Sky. I mean, a lot of Sky dramas quite often more miss rather than hit, um, apart from Chernobyl maybe, which Chernobyl's probably an accurate way to describe our football club at the moment. Um, <laughs> Pat Spurs 2 on the Twitter has said spring is coming. Uh, a similar theme for me in Middleton. The weather looks better next week. Wish I could say the same for... Oops, uh, yeah, not talking about that. Um, yeah, I mean, that is a positive. The weather is going to be better this week. Uh, spring is coming. Um, on a more serious note, uh, the paint guy on Twitter said, uh, so does the manager search start today or do we wait until the hangover is gone and start looking next week? Which I think was a common theme from some of the stuff you were getting on Facebook, Ash. But I don't know if some of these new manager talks are a little bit immature. I haven't made up my mind yet. I saw part B from that question was provided by Gareth Steen on Instagram when he asked, will Jose get back this summer? So I think that's a sort of a big, big part of the question. Are we, do we, do we cut our losses with him now, bringing someone else and, I don't know, go back to the old Levy where he just buys the odd kid here and there? Or would it be more prudent to support the manager we have now in, in the market and try and bring in the, the sort of plays that we need, which is probably, like I said, a whole new defence. I think I, I think it's too early to look at other managers simply because we can do that when we've lost the League Cup final by the same scoreline <laughs> that we lost this weekend. I suppose Jose has between now and the end of the season to give us a reason to 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 stick around for another year. I think we need uh, to remember as well, like. Football's memory has always been short-term. Its vision has always been short-sighted. The people only really remember as far back as the last game. Uh, we talked about Larice's form earlier. and Yeah, maybe let's try and remember what he's done for us. Uh, I think 
the same could potentially be said to some of our performances this season. You've got to remember that come November, December, we were top of the league, believe it or not. And we were there for more than one week as well. It wasn't just a bit of a fluke. Obviously, it's embarrassing that we've fallen the way we have, but we're still only four points off fourth. There's a lot more season to go. You're constantly seeing people like Everton and Villa and Liverpool falling short of the mark as we did this weekend. It's quite feasible, actually, that if we get our act together, we build up our confidence, we could still have quite a strong finish to the season. When Spurs were top of the league, City were 13th, and they've just won something ridiculous. Is it something like 15 six, six, games? 16. 16 we were 16. Now, Spurs aren't going to do that, let's be honest. <laughs> but, but it just goes to show, they looked down and out and like they were in a battle for maybe not even qualifying for Europe and suddenly they've run away with the title. I'm Personally, I, I always enjoy knockout competitions more. So even though we lost to Everton, I, I I thought it was good fun to see us go for it in a game like that and score some goals and play with a little bit of flair. Thursday night will probably be some goals. Wolfsburg are not a very good team. But the, the big one then is Sunday, the midday kickoff, West Ham. I don't know about you boys, but I am shitting myself for that. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> like I say, we're at the acceptance stage, or, or are we now at the indifferent stage? I don't, I don't care anymore. I can be indifferent about City. I can't be indifferent about the fucking hammers. I'm with Jules mm. on this one. <laughs> <laughs> really? I absolutely hate playing them. Absolutely. It's a bit like when Arsenal, whenever we beat Arsenal, they bring up that, oh, are you going to bring out a DVD about this? That's the sort of way I feel about West Ham. <laughs> when they beat us, I know that we're not going to hear the end of it for the next decade. Well, I'll try and cheer you up with something you would put on a DVD. You said something you'd watch for the next decade. Something happened uh, on this day, the 15th of February recording, 10 years ago. I cannot believe this is 10 years ago. Could, do you know what it was? The uh, AC Milan game, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I can't fathom how old <laughs> I am. But the best <laughs> thing about it, not, not the Lennon assist, not the Crouch goal, but um, Gattuso squared up to Joe Jordan <laughs> favourite <laughs> things in football history he nutted him and Joe Jordan just went go on nut me again <laughs> of all the people to start a fight with like not a smart move <laughs> I don't know I think we're doing Gattuso a disservice there <laughs> I seem to remember didn't Gattuso and, and Jordan start start having an argument in Gaelic I seem to remember because Gattuso learned Gaelic at, when he was up there Yeah, he was at Rangers wasn't he mm. It was said that he said something, that Joe Jordan had said something to him in Scottish, I think was the quote. Um, I don't know whether he meant like genuine Gaelic or whether it was just some sort of idiomatic language that you'd only understand if you <laughs> understood the accent. But He said you duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're talking about a, a lack of incomings at Spurs and but there is talk of bringing in this new NFL man uh, in a bit to try and sell the stadium's naming rights, which which got me thinking, what could possibly be the worst stadium name we could come up with from any sort of big American corporation? Ash, did you come up with any ideas? In Jose, we have a megalomaniac in charge who demands a cult-like following and takes absolutely no responsibility for his actions. So maybe we can get Trump to purchase the naming rights. Alternatively, making the undoubtedly unpopular assumption that Jose remains a manager long term, we could go with Megabus. <laughs> <laughs> you know how all American stadiums tend to be called arenas? Mm. Mm. Football at Spurs is miserable <laughs> and deathly. 
I present to you the Dignitas Arena, where, <laughs> where football goes to die. He's <laughs> not, it's not wrong. <laughs> I didn't quite come up with a with a necessary brand to affiliate to. I just have this horrible image that Harry Kane's going to get stuck in like a corn dog costume, and he's going to be stood like selling him at, at the halftime. Or something. <laughs> Turn up on a like, masked singer in twenty thirty three. I've just got this awful image in my head of poor Harry just trying to trying to flog corn dogs. It's not going to go well. I mean, I, I didn't get far. I got as far as um, Boeing. Um, because, well, that, that joke writes itself at the moment. Um, we're back on our European travels again on Thursday. I've actually forgotten what it's like, um, the misery of playing an obscure team on a Thursday. Uh, playing Wolfsburger. Uh, it's not actually a way per se. It's a, a neutral venue. It's being played in Hungary, which is, is how I feel if someone offers me a Wolfsburger. Um, Jim, <laughs> who is this mysterious Austrian team and what can we actually expect from them? Uh, not to be confused with Wolfsburg from Germany. Wolfsburger are from southern Austria, and their full name is Riegler and Zechmeister Pellets Wolfsburger Athletic Club. They not only sold their stadium rights, they sold their club name rights <laughs> to a Pellets company. <laughs> well, that makes our stadium look a lot better all of a sudden. This is the first time in the knockout of the Europa League. Uh, it's actually their first ever European knockout game. Um, but they did okay to get here. They beat Feyenoord twice in their group and CSK in Moscow. But I think they're probably not up to much. They don't seem as good a team as Lask, um, who Spurs obviously know all about this season. And they're mm. also having a pretty, a bit like Spurs actually, having a pretty underwhelming season in the league. Um, maybe they should be called Boeing as well because their form is... Seven wins, three draws, and seven losses. Um, Incredible. <laughs> I think the best thing I could find out about them is that a few years ago, they decided uh, they teamed up with a rival. This would be a bit like Spurs going to Arsenal and going, shall we just share admin staff and pool our resources and basically be two branches of one club? And this other club sent Andrew went, yeah, okay, that's all right. Yeah, let's go. Let's do that. And it was kind of one-sided and worked really well for uh, for Wolfsburg, um, who are now in the top flight and sent Andrew Arndt. But they just like temporarily decided to merge with one of their biggest rivals and then bend them off afterwards. I had a look through their playing squad. Nobody I've ever heard of. Nobody <laughs> I have even the slightest interest in. The only thing that gave me a bit of a giggle is that they have a midfielder called Lucas Shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> They might not have star quality or, or or kind of that that evidenced ability to to take us on, perhaps. But um, if they've beaten final twice and CSK in Moscow, uh, those are those are good teams. So we should probably not underestimate underestimate them. That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to underestimate them. <laughs> we <laughs> should outrage when we lose. Go on, go on, Ash. What do you what we, do you reckon? Underestimate should, them. Yeah, we should be spanking them four 0 at least. If not double Four. figures. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 4 0. They're not at home. It's a neutral venue. I'm going with 4 0. I'll go I'll go one all. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> um two one Spurs. Fan. Yeah, I'm still gonna go three one Spurs. Hopefully we see a bit more of um Dale and Bale as well. Yeah, West Ham. Another weekend, Stratford away as it is. Um 
not looking forward to it till till. They're they're in good form, aren't they? Way above us, looking like they actually might challenge for Europe themselves. But I am never ever ever going to give them too much credit. So I want to say that we're going to win two one. Oh, punchy. Do you think Suchek will score their goal? <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Ben? I still think I think we'll have them. We always seem to find a plucky performance uh, away at West Ham, and we're in need of one. And I think hopefully a, a good game in midweek will give us a boost, and we can kind of go on from there. I mean, we we shouldn't take too much. We said we shouldn't take too much from the West Brom game. We probably shouldn't take too much from the City game either. We we thought we were going to lose, and we did. So still think we'll have a three-one win. I'm going to go for a two-all draw. I don't think it'll be quite good enough to get that win, but I think we'll avoid the painful loss um, that we, 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 none of us feel like we deserve. Um, and over to you, Jim. Uh, yeah, I'm not changing my mind just because you decided to be the same as me. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think it'd be Desmond as well. Oh, well, at least none of us said before we'd lose. Anyway, as the uh, German-American philosopher Paul Tillich once said, the first duty of love is to listen to this podcast. Might have paraphrased that. At least it's probably what he meant to say. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>